Hey guys, Alex Lokes here from Classic Camera Revival, and we are getting into the fall. The days are starting to get shorter, so it's time to break out that fast film. We are, of course, talking about film speeds of 400 speed and up. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. Okay, fast film. Well, since the founding and invention of flexible film, defining what is a fast film has changed over history as technology improves. When Ilford first released HP in 1935, it only had a speed of 160 ISO. By 1939, it had increased to 200 with HP2. Skip ahead 80-some years from the release of HP2. Fast film, most part people define as anything 400 speed and up. So today, we're going to dig into a selection of film. Now, you can go on for hours on the topics of fast film. There are a ton of film out there. We're just going to focus on a few of our favorites. Or, or, not one, so, or not so favorites. Yeah, or ones we've barely shot. But it's all good. You can embrace the grain. Grain is good. So let's start off with Bill. What do you have for us today? Okay, today I'm going to talk about two emulsions. I'm going to start with the black and white one first. Burger Pancro 400. Burger is a French company. Uh, they've sort of been a niche player for years up until recently, just sort of selling rebranded sort of film stock. And they've had the, they've made their own papers, uh, both inkjet and traditional wet and darkroom. And they're known for very high quality products. So a few short years ago, they sort of got into creating their own emulsion, which is Pancro 400. They started out with large format and then uh, later uh, introduced both 120 and 35 millimeter. It is a dual silver layer emulsion. I can't remember the chemistry off the top of my head. Uh, it has tonality that will you will love, you'll adore, you'll want to, well, I wouldn't say marry, but you, you'll love and adore. 35 millimeter. I've only had an opportunity to shoot one roll, and that was uh, over a year ago up in Alora. Um, I shot it through one of my Minolta's, at, and I processed it in HC 110 dilution B. It did get a little grainy, uh, depending on the frame, and uh, again, it could be me. Uh, you know, maybe have to like maybe dial in my agitation a little more gently than usual. But that was sort of the comment from a few people out there. Now, there is a proprietary developer called Burger Speed. Unfortunately, it's not available in Canada. So again, you got to work with what you got. And it's a rather thick film. So HC 110 Dilution B, you're looking at nine minutes. Unlike, say, if you're an HP5 or Triax, it's a lot shorter developing time. This one, you need a little bit more. Now, Burger Pancro uh, 120, Oh boy, grain, yeah, you don't have to worry about grain in this one. It looks much nicer. And the thing I like about this film in 120, even if you're on a rather miserable day, you can pull stuff out in post, in Lightroom, that you probably, you know, when you do the initial scan, you look at it going, eh, yeah, it's okay, it's not great. But then you go into Lightroom, and then you kind of look at it, and you can sort of fool around with shadow, uh, pulling out shadow detail on that, and you realize, my God, there's a ton of information here to play with. So as a 120 film, a Pancro 400 is really nice. Now, if you're buying this locally, you're looking at about $10 a roll. Uh, if you're ordering from BNH or Cat Labs of JP, when they have it in stock, it's probably a little bit cheaper, but then you got to pay for shipping. And, you know, you, you work the math out in your head and you figure out if it's worth it for you. The other film I want to talk about, it's a color film and is a, a, an emulsion that really doesn't need an introduction. It's been around for a while. It's been beloved by pro shooters for years. You can overexpose the heck out of it. You can underexpose it and still get an amazing uh, amazing results. You can even butch it. I've never done personally, and that is Portra 400. This is the one film, if you're out traveling, 
yeah, you can just take this, and that's all you really need in some regards. And that'll cover off most of uh, most of your lighting situations. Mm-hmm. And it's available in 35 millimeter, 120. I Jeez. I want to say four by five, but don't and quote me. 10. And even eight by ten. So there you go. And what I generally do is I tend to overexpose down to 200 ISO because I like the colors to be a little bit on the punchier side. Everyone has their own favorite exposure index value that they want to play with, but I like 200 ISO. I've have shot it at box speed. I had I had to shoot my nephew. He was in a, he was a slope style skier. And he was competing in the timber tour. And unfortunately, it was like one of those days, it was a full-on snowstorm. So I needed all the speed I can get. And I, I got respectable results out of it. Is it perfect? Well, no, but it looked good. And that's what I like about Portrait 400. And again, Kodak put a lot of R&D in it. And they use a lot of the vision uh, motion picture stock technology in this film. Yep. So it's like for a 400 ISO film, there's no grain. Yeah. No, um, Pancro 400, great film. I like to push it to 800 and develop it in Rodinal. It looks fantastic. Yeah, I'm waiting for them to like re-release it in 35 mil. I think everyone's waiting for it. I'd like to shoot more of it just so to build a a, a better rapport with it. Because right now, yeah, I love the grain structure. I love. Yeah, I I like to shoot it in very uh, contrasty, dramatic light. Uh, particularly rim lighting portrait subjects with mm-hmm. it. It just handles highlights so incredibly, incredibly well. And even better when you develop an Empire. I was just going to say, my my favorite developer for it is PyroCat HD. Just use the HP5 um, times and uh, EI. So pull it to 200, nine minutes in PyroCat HD, one to one to 100, and you'll be fine. Um, portrait 400. I have shot everything from 100 to 1600 on the same roll yeah. and just it's your va- it's it. the best vacation film ever. Yeah. Exactly. Just, it just it's so versatile. Although my personal favorite is just push it to 800. You get mm-hmm. that contrast punch in the face. Yeah. Just looks beautiful. Well, the other thing with portrait you can expo- you can expose it at 800 but you don't have to really push it. You can still get a decent exposure out of it. Yeah, just develop it normal. You yeah. have yeah. Plus, minus two stops on either side and just let your lab develop it normally. No changes. Mm-hmm. That's right. Cool. John, you have a couple of films for us. Yep, I'm going to talk about a couple of black and white films, and these are very, very different films. But I think they, they both have a place. The first one I'm going to talk about is T-Max 400. And I would call T-Max 400 a vanilla film. It's, <laughs> it's just there, but sometimes that's a good thing. Very, very fine grain, uh, decently sharp, good tonality. It's not going to complicate your life. And there are times where that's what you want. Especially, I, I like it in 35 millimeter. I'm not a huge fan of, of heavy grain. And I do like how it looks in, uh, in 35. It's great in medium format as well. But, it's, of course, with medium format negative, it's not such a, a big deal. Um, there are some people who say it almost looks too digital. I'm not sure I'd agree with that. But uh, there are times when you want vanilla. And vanilla is not uh, is not a bad thing. Um, I tend to develop it if I'm not pushing it. I'm developing it in Tmax Developer. Great combination. The only thing you have to worry about with the the Tmax films is uh, they do do a number on your fixer. Um, your fixer will not last as long if you feed it a steady diet of Tmax films. So it's important to uh, you know, use HypoCheck or whatever, uh, or just replace your fixer more often if, uh, if you're using that film. But apart from that, you know, it's a great, no-nonsense, dependable, reliable film. Now, the, how long do you fix it for? Uh, I normally go for eight minutes. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I do six. I, I just stick with five. I've when I've shot Team X, I've always given it a few more minutes and fixed just because you know getting that purple anti-halation layer off is 
Oh boy, yeah, that thing, that thing just beats up fix like crazy. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, I've just really just accepted the purple uh, sort of anti-halation layer. I guess I should maybe fix it for a couple minutes longer. Also, a good pre-soak and a uh, hypoclear. Yeah, help yeah. That. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I. Uh, that is true. I mean, I, yeah, it's funny how you don't think about these things sometimes when you're just mm-hmm. on autopilot in the dark room. Mm-hmm. But apart, it's also a film I think I'd recommend, let's say, for someone just starting out in film. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they want to try, you know, a 400 film that, uh, like, it's, I, I'm not, I wouldn't say it's, it's not as forgiving as Tri-X in terms of being, no. brutal, in being willing to be brutalized, but uh, it will take overexposure quite well. It'll take underexposure to a point. Uh, but it is, it's, it's a good film to learn on, and I think a beginning film photographer would be very happy with the results he or she gets. Yeah, absolutely. And now, as they say, for something completely different. Um, I think it's been two years now since uh, Kodak uh, brought back their 3200 speed film, the um, is it PX3200, I think they call it. 3200. Yeah. Yep. And... TM. And I have shot one roll so far. So here is my one roll review. I like this film and I hate this film. And <laughs> and the reason why is it it depends on the subject matter. Uh, I, I, I start off with, I think I did a pretty stock recipe. I developed it in, uh, in TMAX. I shot it at box speed. I followed the, the massive dev charts instructions. And... Again, I don't think 3200 is quite a a good rating for it. I think it's more yeah. like a 1600 speed film that has delusions yeah. of grandeur. One thing I've and noticed. It's... Sorry. <laughs> and it's the P. It's yeah. P for push. P for push. Yes. Um, and X for excrement if you get it wrong. Um, <laughs> but what I found is it really depends on the subject matter. If you're shooting a uh, a scene that let's say that has a blank wall or large areas where there's similar tonality. I don't like the grain effect at all. It's, it's just not nice. But if you're shooting, let's say an available light scene with a, with a fair amount of complexity, like in my example, I shot it indoors at the St. Lawrence market here in Toronto, which is, you know, a great indoor market, but as we all know, it's not very bright. Um, And if you're shooting, a, let, let's say, a market stall there, a fair amount of complication, it looks quite nice, and the grain almost gives it a, a certain vintage look to it. Mm-hmm. So I think if you wanted to shoot uh, vintage available light, I think that could be its niche. Other than that, I think I would stick with some of the other films that we're talking about and just push them because they're all pushable, and we'll get to that in a bit. Absolutely. No. Um I shot several rolls of uh, P3200, um, and I agree completely. It's a 1600 speed film that you can give it a stop up, stop down, and uh, you'll be fine. And you do want to shoot it indoors in decent light. Probably my favorite ones were, uh, when I was initially reviewing the film, was from the Cambridge Butterfly Conservatory. And again, varied light, varied shades. It's not a film for the faint of heart, but there is one film that is of the same speed, but has one thing that P3200 doesn't. And I'm, of course, talking about Delta 3200 and take it away, James. All right. So Delta 3200, I got to be honest, I don't shoot it very often and I haven't shot it for a long time. So a lot of what I'm going to talk about Delta 3200 is is based on some distant memories. Um, and I think a lot of it still applies today, this, this one point that I can talk about. Delta 3200, very much like HP5, uh, and I don't know why this is such a common thread amongst Ilford shooters. You have your camp that loves everything about Delta 3200 and HP5, and then you have your camp that absolutely hates it, and I don't get it. But I think I can attribute it down to one thing, um, and that is errors in exposure. If you're pushing film or shooting very high-speed film, you're typically in low-light um, situations and the number one common mistake that I see a lot of photographers do is they meter for highlights. Ew. You never ever no. meter for highlights 
when you're pushing film or shooting in very low light um, situations. You're always going to want to meter in for zone four conditions. So meter for shadows and your film will be exposed properly, especially for pushing. If you push under exposed film, you're going to get a shitty looking bowl of, uh, of black and white fruit loops. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't that. taste good and there's no fruit in them. Um, Depends on the subject yeah. matter. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do find that a lot. Um, in my experience with Delta, well, first of all, Delta 3200, much like T-Max uh, P3200, is, is, a 1600 is actually film. a 1,000 speed film. Yeah, if yeah. you read the, read the box, it's 1,000 or 31 degrees den on it. There we go. And so I don't find uh, shooting it at box actually works very, very well. No. I like to pull it to 1,600. Yep. And I think it really sings in but only one developer for me, and that's Ilford Microfet. Bingo. Um, and, <laughs> and everything else, I just, for me, I, I don't I don't bother. I don't bother souping it in T-Max or... or um, you know, anything else doesn't, you know, um, road and all, whatever. Um, you'll get results. You'll get good and acceptable results. But I think really for anyone that wants to try it, it kind of sings between 1,600 and 2,000 uh, in microfet. Um, yeah. I Frankly, I don't really like it in 3,200. If I have a good quantity and quality of light, I will shoot it at box. Um, but that's typically... Uh, it, like for me, the conditions have to be ideal. And I think the grain structure, particularly for portraits, if you can find the right lighting conditions. So let's say you, you know, you're kind of, you've got a lighting situation where you're, um, you know, your meter reading average reading is, you know, giving you a, um, uh, like a, a 3,200, uh, you know, an exposure at 3,200, I would drop it and, and pull it down yep. um, and shoot it at 16, uh, mm -hmm. just one stop. And it smoothens out the grain structure, but you still see pleasant looking grain. So you do get that grain that, you, that looks really nice. And that tabular grain actually looks really, really good. Um, and it's a little bit different than, say, you know, pushing a... Uh, uh, pushing a triax, yeah, I find it a little bit more pleasing. But for me, it has to be very, very specific conditions for Delta thirty-two hundred. Brian, um, the uh, pro photographer down in Niagara, who we want to get oh, on Brian, the show. Oh, Brian, yeah, Brian Caprici. He yeah. loves Delta thirty-two hundred. Yeah, well, so he, yeah, he he's heavily into the grain. He's got my um, he's got my uh, Olympus uh, thirty-five SP right now. Yeah. Um, that I've offered to sell to him, so hopefully he's going to buy that. And but now he's got his eyes on an M2. So <laughs> can you say gas, Brian? Yeah. Uh, he's got high octane gas. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's he's definitely uh, he suffers from the gas, but he's he's a solid guy, really really nice guy. And we are going to get him on our show. We're going to have him on the show, even for sure. if we have to drug him and drag him in. And uh, and when he comes over to record, we're going to pop his darkroom cherry because he's never made a print before. So there we go. Videotape that for uh, for everyone and see the joy in his face. Mm. But um, okay, so yeah, Delta thirty two hundred. It's a great film. Um, the nice thing about what I really like about Delta thirty two hundred, it's the thirty two hundred film that never left. That's right. Or the one thousand film that never left. But <laughs> and you can get it in medium format. Yes. Too. And you can get it in medium format. Absolutely. Yes, one hundred and twenty millimeters. Ha ha ha. Oh, boo. <laughs> boo. Does it come in 620 millimeter too, or do I have to change the spool? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, careful. You, you might be triggering some people out there somewhere. Yeah, Probably. I'm pretty sure M's having a stroke right now. Yeah, M loves us. <laughs> Single stroke or double stroke? Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so on to some color. Um, you know, as the resident brown guy, I have to talk about some color films. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's racist. Yeah, well, not if I say it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about Cinestill 800T, which is um, a film that's sold by our good friend, Andre Dominguez, of yes. the Negative Positives podcast. Yeah. Um, certainly, uh, it has its roots, obviously, in Kodak uh, Vision 3 stock, and certainly a lot of parallels, I believe. Uh, was it Bill or John was talking about Portrait 400? Mm -hmm. yeah, right. yeah. yeah. As Bill was saying, 
um, a lot of the um, latitude and forgiveness and versatility that you find in Portra 400, you also find in Sinistil 800. And Sinistil, you can pull to 100 and you can push to 3200 mm. um, and still get very, very good results. Now, because something to keep in mind, it is a tungsten balanced film. So if you are going to shoot it in daylight uh, without a, an 85 uh, filter to correct it, you're going to get some very um, uh, bluish looking images. Um, yep. But, um, you know, I, I typically, I actually don't shoot it in the daytime. I shoot it, I use it for color night shooting only. Um, I like the way it renders neon lights and, mm. and obviously most tungsten based light sources. Uh, so uh, it is an ECN2 process. No, it's not. Sinistil has managed to remove the Remjet. Oh, fair. Okay, but yes, my yeah. Okay, so let me be clear. The processing is an EC. It, like the the um, native processing is ECN2 process. That's for Kodak Vision Three Five Hundred T. So technically, when you are developing in C41, you're actually cross processing it. ECN2 is a separate chemical set. Yes. And the Remjet layer doesn't actually have anything to do with the processing type. The Remjet is just there to protect the base of the film from scratches and film transport, blah, 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 blah. Um, I actually, Matt Jones actually educated me on this. There we go. Because I was like, oh, really? And so I learned something. So hey, hey. what I would like to do at some point is to get either make up um, some, mix up some raw ECN2 chemicals. Um, and process them side by side mm. and just to see that because I've seen some the there is there is actually I believe uh, it was Matt that he had posted on the negative positives page some ECN2 yeah um, uh, some sorry some Sinistil if it was either 50D or 800T I don't recall but he had posted um, some images that he had processed in ECN2 and the richness and the trueness okay. of the colors, there is a difference. There we and, go. And yeah, I was like, I was blown away because I was under the same assumption as I think a lot yeah. of us were. It's kind of the same thing. I mean, you get very, very, very similar results, but, but it is a different actual set of chemicals. And okay. if you are processing your Vision 3 stock in C41, by definition, you're cross-processing your film. There we and go. as someone that hates cross-processing, I just do. I don't know why. Don't you judge me, whatever. Send your emails. I'll give you Alex's personal home address. You can write to him. We'll ignore you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am generally not a fan of cross-processing, but that typically applies to C41 and E6. I like E6. I like my E6 Six to be to pure. E6. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, but yeah, so uh, so there's a little tidbit of information for you. Um, it's a wonderful stock. Um, you you got to shoot it, and you got to shoot it at night, like it, you know, especially in blue hour, like mm. you know. I have never shot Cinestill 800T. I have a roll of it in 120 sitting at home that I'm saving for the Halton Radial Railroads. Um, Christmas event. There you go. Where they're decking out their old um, radio rail and uh, streetcar stock cool. in Christmas lights. And Ooh. I'll probably bring um, my Roloflex yeah. to uh, perfect to combo. Yeah. And probably give it a good old push to 1600 or something. Yeah. And yeah, I think you'll love it. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's it's a it's a lovely film. Um, Bill and I went out and shot um, in the middle of the night, like two o'clock in the morning, in, in downtown Oakville. With yeah. it, I was so happy with the results. Like I I started shooting it almost every night that summer um, <laughs> because I, I just, yeah I just thought it was great, and you don't have you don't have to worry about color correction or you know, tungsten yeah. balancing or daylight balancing with it um, when you shoot it at night. Um, I'll be honest with you, I've never shot it during the day without a yeah. with or without you, a filter you really want the filter um, i've done tungsten films and daylights before and yeah. i've just got yeah it. i mean i and, and for that reason i've done it too like i you know i used to I, i've mistakenly shot uh act or uh, kodachrome 64t many, many years Actochrome ago 64t you know, yeah. Or, yeah or actochrome 64t um in in the daylight without an 85 uh filter on it because yep. you just forget and then you get it back from the lab and you're like yeah, I did that with a uh, roll of uh, Kodachrome 40. Yeah. One yeah. thing I'll say, I have shot a roll during the day because the very first roll I was given, I got it from downtown camera. They wanted me to test it. 
Mm. And I had to have it back like within 48 hours. I had one day to shoot. And of course, you guessed it, it was bright and sunny. And I had it in my Hasselblad. So, you know, uh, but the one thing, like, it is a waste, but that film will take over exposure. Oh, yeah. You can brutalize it and get decent results. But yeah, shooting it on a sunny day is a waste. It's a 100 to 1600. It's a a 100 to 3200 film. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's because I think of it, it's because of its cinematic uh, roots and, you know, it's a cinematographer's film. Exactly. And, and you know. Designed I, to be used under hot lights. Yeah, I really should get out there and shoot it in the daylight because I've read some, some forums, some cinematography forums where a lot of cinematographers, actually there's a big debate on whether or not um, a, a filter is even necessary for it. There you go. Um, and obviously, um, you know, those of you that are scanning your film and not printing RA4 in the darkroom, <laughs> uh, or even if you are printing RA4 in the darkroom, you could color correct as well. Absolutely. Well, you That's could color correct. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, we here on CCR have uh, bashed films in the past and have uh, proceeded to eat our words. I am, of course, talking about Fomapan 400 which is a lovely film. Let no one tell you otherwise. Um, So I have um, my first film of choice is Ilford Delta 400. Now, think of it like Kodak T-Max 400. It's not very exciting. It's very vanilla. Um, It is, again, a tabular grain film. So the grain's fine. It really is. It's just... It doesn't have the contrast I like, of course, until you develop it right. But the same can be said about any film stock. Delta 400, I have hated for years. Years and years and years. But then I finally decided, to let's develop it in D76. See what I get out of it. Well, the results are stunning. Um, it basically gives you... Eh, I would say it's pretty close to what I'd get out of a digital camera. So and there's nothing wrong with that. There is people. nothing wrong with that. Nope. Nothing wrong with that at all. It honestly, it gives true rendition of um, the tones out there. It likes muted light. It does not like direct sunlight. Again, you need to run it through your fixer a little bit longer. I usually run mine at about six, six and a half minutes. You want to give it a pre-soak. You want to run it through a clearing agent afterwards. And um, the one thing I do like about it over the T-Max film is that it doesn't give off that purple anti-halation layer after the fact. Mm. Um, Scans very easily. Um, I haven't scanned it in my Nikon CoolScan 5, but in my Epson V700, it scans wonderfully. It looks good on the monitor. Um, It prints really well. And again, it's available in the major format, 35, medium, and sheet format. And it's a little less expensive than the T-Max film. So again, it's a great place to start off, especially if you pair it with D76. If you really want to start getting wild, um, PyroCat HD, and it just changes the look of the film completely. But I don't really like Pyro with modern film emulsions. Mm D76, you're good. Again, I'm going to champion Microfen for all of Ilford's Delta films. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Microfen is just a wonderful developer. Um, I haven't tried it in Delta 400. I'm going to have to try that. I would give it a try because what I find with the the Delta emulsions is that it has good tonality, but it's generally a flat-ish kind of tone Mm -hmm. curve. So, like, Mm -hmm. kind of, like, regardless of, you know, whether or not you're, like, in, you know, in Zone 1, you know, Zone 9 or Zone 4, it's consistent. Yeah, it's it's like the it's like the the values are there, but like there's no variation between like if you think of the tone curve, you kind of want it to be like an S, an S. right? Yep. And with it's it's got like a slight mid bump. Yep. You know, and I just I don't know. It, just it, like it, a digital camera. It, yeah, and I think <laughs> it's, you know it, it's like a completely averaged like me yep. like an averaged metered scene as opposed to like a matrix approach or you know, right. or you're metering a particular zone yep. because that's what you want to highlight uh, exactly in, in the image and i find that the reason why i like it in microfen so much and why i would all you know when i shot a lot of it that's what i would use because 
yeah, I, I just found that that was what worked like that, you know, but anyway. Mm-hmm. And for, again, something completely different. The second film is uh, Japan camera hunter street pan 400. Mm. Now I like this film from the moment it hit the market. I don't know what it was. The name, the images that Bellamy posted online, but I saw that film. I'm like, I want that. And the naysayers be damned. This is a resurrected film stock. This is not dead stock found in some giant freezer somewhere in Germany. This is probably something he found a little bit of, really liked it, and um, approached um, Agfa, Roli, to uh, start making it again with some tweaks. What I like about it is that it is your summertime fast film. This is a film that loves bright sunlight. You don't bring it inside. I've brought it inside. I've done some long exposure work with it, and it turned out terrible. But you take it outside, bright direct sunlight, and the stuff sings. Um, You want to do it in HC-110 or Rodinol, hands down. Depends on how much time you have to develop it. And again, the nice thing with HC-110 is that it works really well in dilution B for five minutes, 10 minutes in dilution H, or 12 and a half in dilution F or G. Cool. One of those two. I'll have to double check my, my own um, images Have you ever on shot one. it with a, with a deep red or an IR filter? I have not shot it with any sort of filters. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've used it with a yellow filter. That's what I use mm-hmm. the most. Um, but again, I'll have to experiment with it. But yeah, yeah no, this uh, is a film that loves the summer. It loves yeah. light. It I loves... read the, the tech data on it, and yeah. it's it seems like it, it's approaching that. Yeah, it is like it's not. It's not, not so much retro eighty s. Yeah, it's more. It's not. Not even anywhere close to Retro 400S. Mm. The two are completely different films. Um, because I put a deep yellow filter on Retro 400S, and it's just gone full black skies. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, with the 400, really? Yeah, just, with the Retro. Just with, an, with a yellow, deep yellow. A deep yellow, like yellow a yellow, 15. Tw- like a 15. Okay. Yeah. And the 400. And, and and that day, how I developed it, how I shot it. But it just... The two are different films, no matter what people say. Well, the Retro 400S is a 200-speed film. Yes. And the it discussion, is. whereas the, the, the Street Pan 400 is a true 400. Yes. yes. Well, um, the, other, the other thing, though, is Street Pan. It's a traffic surveillance film, whereas Retro 400S, the Retro 200, that's, AVA, that's, that's uh, aviation uh, yeah. surveillance film. So... It's for reconnaissance aircraft, and they're like, you know, flying a U two or something, and they're they're taking photos of like, yeah, no, that's their enemy own. missile installations. <laughs> yeah, hmm. but no, they're, and again, we are just scratching the surface. There is so much out there, and we've even skipped over some of the diehard favorites: Tri-X, HP five. Yeah, you can learn all about those films on the internet. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we could do a deep dive even on just one or two, like even just Tri-X and HP5 and yeah. just whack lyrical about it for an hour and a half. Absolutely. And everyone would probably go to sleep. Um, yeah. Unlike you, Alex, I haven't shot like JCH Street Pan in, in the summertime. I've shot in November on yeah, a Sunday, yeah. day, but I got to try it in the summertime. Yeah, me too. Yeah, oh, I, 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 yeah I agree with you, Bill, because like, I generally, it's my go-to when Toronto realizes, hey, it's Toronto, and we're going to be gray for the next 480 days. Yep. <laughs> nope. It it loves the summer. It loves light. And again, I'm going to have to try that now. I've, I've just right. found that over my own. Well, I'm I'm just going to try to. I'm going to shoot the snot out of it. And yeah. Like uh, with a with an R72 filter and there see what go. I get with like eight minute exposures or something goofy <laughs> like that. But, uh, Challenge accepted. There we go. I mean, yeah, you, you you never know unless you try. That's right. Now. There are lots of fast films out there, but sometimes you've just forgotten to pack it. You don't realize what you got, so you need to push film. So, James, what is pushing film? What is pushing film? Okay, pushing what? Okay, so I'll, how about I start with what is not pushing film? 
underexposing film is not pushing film, often confused. Pushing film is by, in effect, essentially underexposing it, but you're compensating for it in your development time. So essentially what you're doing is if you have a film that's rated at 400, and let's say your shutter speeds at 400 are uh, not quite fast enough because you're shooting sports at midnight for whatever strange reason. Um, so obviously you're going to get a lot of motion blur, et cetera. So you're like, oh, well, how can I make my shutter speed faster and still use the meter in my camera? Mm. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to increase the ISO setting on my camera. And I'm going to say this is not a, uh, a 400 speed film inside of my camera. This is a... 1600 speed film in front of my camera there we go so how many stops is that two. audience classroom two yay two. good job so i'm pushing the film two stops what does that mean it means if i were to develop the film in the standard recommended development time all i've done is underexpose that film right okay so i'm going to get a very thin in terms of density negative now if i increase my development time by a factor of whatever, and it varies by developer in film. So let's say uh, the standard development time is six minutes. So in all likelihood, one and a half minutes per stop, I'm going to go nine minutes yeah. in the soup. And therefore, I have now pushed my film. So I've given the underexposed silver halide time to develop more inside of the tank. That's right. Now, what pushing results in is pushing results in a more typically a more contrasty and grainy negative, yep. which um, can be either a good thing or a bad thing, depending on what you're trying to do. That's right. And that's essentially pushing film. Do not confuse go. it with underexposing or overexposing. So, like, if you're using your exposure compensation dial on your camera, you're not pushing or pulling film. No. Now, some films respond well mm -hmm. to push, some don't. Some of the best films that respond to uh, pushing are uh, cinematic films. Definitely. And we discussed that with Porter 400 yeah. and Cinestill 800T. But John has done that with another iconic motion picture film. We are, of course, talking about the double X mm. itself, 5222 from Kodak. John. Yep. And... I'd almost debate whether I'd call this pushing or not, but you know, typically, like if you get um, this, the uh, the double X, most developers have it around 200, 250 uh, mm -hmm. as the EI. But if you go on the classic on the um, not classic camera revival, but hey, a great site to visit. Uh, yeah. If you go on the massive dev chart and look up the time, if you develop the film in Tmax one to four it gives you an exposure index of 400. And um, so I've shot at 400. I, I love that film. Uh, oh, throw a red filter on it and you will fall in love. I certainly did. I, I bought a 100-foot bulk roll the day I did that. And you get uh, very, you know, the, the grain is, is not objectionable at all. To me, it has a very, a very nice documentary look. And at 400, even though that's almost like two-thirds of a stop compared to, let's say, the standard, it doesn't feel like a push to me. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to try and see if I can get to 800 and see what happens. So are you changing the exposure on your camera? Yeah, basically, I'm, I got, when I develop it in Tmax, I just shoot it at 400. Okay. Now, Bill, you, you take things a, a couple of stops up, especially when you go with uh, HP5. Yeah, HP5, everyone's, you know, Ilford, it, it's the classic. And generally, uh, as John pointed and, and James pointed, yeah, 400 days of the year, we, we have like an endless description of gray skies. And sometimes it's uh, polished cement of the days, it's distressed pewter. <laughs> so what happens is like, if you're shooting even 400 speed film, it's kind of like you're left sitting here going, crap, it's 1 30th a second, 2.8. I got shaky hands. It's like getting dark quick at three in the afternoon in December. So what do you do? You push it to uh, HP five to 1600. Now I've pushed historically Tri-X to 1600. And again, you get great results. But the big problem with that is Tri-X curls like cr cups like crazy. HP five doesn't. 
HP5 actually looks uh, looks better than uh, Tri. It looks better than Triax pushed. Yes, I uh, completely agree with that, especially that fast. Yeah, and uh, I've had nothing but great results when I switched to HP5. And again, it's at some point early in the fall, I'm probably going to do a big ass monster order somewhere. Uh, <laughs> and just uh you know stock up for the winter or maybe just order up before brexit <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll, that'll be interesting yeah yeah you know, for those of you listening in september <laughs> yeah, for those of us listening in september we're we're gonna the day after um boris johnson was uh appointed is now PM. the prime minister of the united kingdom not kingston in, in, not kingston <laughs> yeah we we push film england is pushing its luck I actually had a chance to shoot um, HP5 at 1600 a few months back at uh, John Meadows' daughter's wedding at the reception through my Roloflex. Mm -hmm. And uh, I actually developed an Intimax developer, which is a compensating developer, which is great for pushing film. Mm -hmm. And the results were spectacular. They were dark, they were moody, really fit well with the uh, jazz band that was playing. So, I was a happy um, customer. <laughs> I push film. I'm not not that often. Sometimes I'm a little more wary. One of my favorites is pushing FP4 to 200 and developing it in Tmax Developer. And that's one film I have never pushed. Is FP4 on FP4? It does a fantastic hmm. job. It just changes the look of the film completely, especially in Tmax Developer. Really? Oh wow. Uh, Okay, but, I'm going to try that. Yeah, and cool. it's it's not even a full stop, right? No, it's, it's 125 it, film. Yeah, you bring it up to 200, it's and like sometimes a, that's all you need. What is that? Like a third of a stop? Yeah, I've I've stopped caring for I don't know <laughs> seven eighths of a stop, whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, yeah, like I typically shoot. Like, you know, my go to developer films yeah. that box for me. Yeah. Yeah. My go to developer for uh, pushing is uh, Ilford Microfin. Um, it just does a wonderful job. I, in our snowstorm walk um, earlier this year, I shot all my Triax and my HP5 at 800. So, again, moderate stop, one stop up, and just developed it all in Microfin. Got mm -hmm. relatively short developing times and just spectacular results but um probably one of the, two of the best developers for pushing is um diafine yes acufine and diafine so um, oh i haven't used those developers in ages oh really no. okay well i i use diafine a lot for pushing Yep. Um, when I push, and I don't really push film too often because for me, there's, there's so many films out there. If you need high speed film, shoot high speed film. Yeah, but if you that's do what feel like 3200 yeah. for, and uh, and and Kodak's P3200. Um, but if you do find yourself in a situation where creatively you want to increase contrast and that yep. sort of thing, or hey, you're stuck and you got to increase shutter speed and you still want a good exposure, um, you have to consider. Uh, what emulsion you're shooting and what soup you plan to develop your film in. Yes. Uh, and not all developers and not all films are created equal. Mm -hmm. um, Microfin, as Alex mentioned, is a really good option for pushing HP5 um, and, and Tri-X. Tri um, but I think there is one catch-all developer out there, and that's Diafine. And Diafine wow. is a two-part, lasts-forever um, developer that you mix up in powder form. It's a part A and a part B. Um, and essentially, it has generally standard development times for most films. Yep. And that's three minutes per solution. Um, and I believe Triax is uh, five minutes uh, per solution. Or actually, it might be Acros is five minutes. Um, and it requires very, very light agitation. When I'm shoot when I'm developing with Diafine, I um, I don't invert. I just use the swizzle sticks and the Patterson tanks. Um, and it's generally. Um, uh, a into B, never B into A. If you mix your 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 B developer into your A, this is not one shot developer. What I'm talking about here. So to develop it, essentially you develop your film for three minutes um, with a, uh, a like a, a ten second stir, not a, not an agitation. Um, uh, every thirty or seconds or one minute. 
depending on how grainy you like your film. Um, and then you pour that solution uh, back into the A bottle, and then you pour out your B solution. You put the B solution into the, your development tank, do it for another three minutes. Um, it's either three or five, depending on the film. Three for Triax at sixteen hundred. Okay, and I think it's uh, it's Acros that is. So Acros being a T grain film probably wants a little bit more development time, maybe. Yeah, I think four Acros, and a half. Yeah, four and a half to five minutes. Um, so you do it in both solutions for that. You pour the B back into the B. Never let the B developer get into the A developer. If that happens, um, your A developer's toast. Got to keep them separate. Keep them separated. A can go into B. B cannot go into A. I don't know if there's some kind of uh, uh, mnemonic or something like that, but uh, to remember that by. But um, it's a great, and you know, you mix up a gallon of this stuff, and like, I mean, it'll outlive you. <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, it can oxidize, of course, anything can, but I find it to be extremely shelf stable. I mixed up my batch of diaphine a year and a half ago, and I probably used it about three months ago. There you go. So, yeah, you know it's it's uh, very stable. It's simple. Um, it's a good catch-all. I know what it sounds like you can do, but I don't recommend doing it. I don't recommend mixing a bunch of different films together or underexposing and overexposing uh, frames on a particular roll, and and then just throwing it in diaphine and expecting it to work. No, you know I think if you're gonna you're you're gonna push the roll, push the roll. Yeah, the whole roll and nothing but the roll. And the uh, only film I've been able to do that on successfully was Porter 400. Yeah. And we're talking black and white here. C41, yes. you got to, you know, funny people think uh, color films are a lot less, have a lot less latitude. Well, not consumer color films. <laughs> uh, consumer color films have a wide, very wide latitude because they're designed for that. They're designed for um, point shoots. Point shooters, yeah. Being brutalized. Yeah, that's right. Mm hmm. So yeah, definitely a great option uh, for yeah. for pushing film. Um, uh, but the other type of I guess developer that's also really good is any compensating type of developer yeah. like your T Maxes and stuff like that. Uh, T Max developer is yeah. great. I've never pushed with PyroCAD HD. I've either shot at box or pulled, so yeah. probably not the best option. Probably not because it's more of a staining. Well, it is a staining, it's a staining developer. developer. Yeah. I've pushed uh, T Max four hundred. Um, with Tmax Developer in medium format, and it's amazing. I'll oh, say yeah. here, I, I, I constantly shoot it at 800. I don't even consider. Um, uh, tri Did you say Triax or Tmax? Tmax. Tmax film or Tmax or well, well, Tmax Tmax 400 in oh. uh, Tmax Developer. Like what I do is, oh, I yeah. use oh, the, yeah. I use the 3200 time, but I expose for about 1800, um, and. It's it's very very nice. It doesn't even look all that pushed. So, you know, again, going back to sort of that vanilla theme I mentioned earlier in the episode, if you want a vanilla push, then the T Max four hundred is not a bad way to go. But then sometimes you want that gritty look. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and like this is one of the reasons. Like people say, why do I shoot film? And like, why is this so important? And again, one of the things how I look, what I look at like at film is film is part of the creative process. That's right. And so are the chemicals that I use. That's and right. so is the method and how I expose my particular subject. So depending on what I'm looking for, what I'm what I'm choosing is I'm choosing the type of emulsion I'm starting with because I either want a traditional cubic grain or a smoother tea grain film. I want a certain look and feel out of that out of that film so I'm going to choose an emulsion that will deliver that and then I'm going to decide do I want to pull this film do I want to push this film do I want a less contra contrasty negative a little yeah. bit lighter okay maybe I'm going to pull it I want a bit more of an ethereal look or I want something nice and crunchy and dramatic and I want that film noir kind of look I'm going to push that film I may choose to under or overexpose the frame of that image because I know the latitude that film has I yeah. know how it's going to behave if I when I develop it, all of these things are part of the formula, the creative formula outside of like working with your subject and positioning the camera or talking to your model. If you're shooting a model, it's all, all about pre-visualization yeah, and all of these yeah. things. This is why film photography adds a whole other element of creative ability 
as opposed to digital. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying one is better than the other. There are other aspects of digital photography that account for the formula, your creative formula that you cannot do in film. Your SD card won't curl in high humidity and won't curl up in the scanner. <laughs> that is true. Um, but you do have the ability to over-process over and overbook and create uh, oh, yeah. um, hugely dumb, ridiculous images, a.k.a. HDR. Um, oh. <laughs> yeah. um, you can also do the same thing by scanning and doing the same crap to your film negatives, too. So Absolutely. film is certainly not immune. But um, I think those are really important things to consider when you're yeah. thinking about film selection when you're thinking about pushing and pulling and over and under exposing and how you're metering your subject, all of those things are another nuance to shooting yeah. film. <laughs> that's the one thing that's great about film photography is that you can go head first in and go right to the bottom or you can just tread water. Yeah. And you can shoot the same thing over and over again, or you can do something different yep. every day for the rest of your life. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Well, Again, this is all our own opinion, our own viewpoints. Um, but yeah, um, the best thing you can do is just experiment, find something you like, dial it in, and just run with it. Yeah. And, and who cares what other people think? They, they aren't you. <laughs> this is my way. It is not the right way. That's right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Us. I'm not James, John, or Bill. I'm me. I do things my way. <laughs> Just like Frank Sinatra. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Well, that covers it for this episode. Um, my name's Alex Lutz. And uh, just like the 1980s fitness films, sometimes you got to push it, push it. <laughs> this is James Lee. Um, and I've said this before. When you're... <laughs> no, I shouldn't say it again. We're going to get phone calls. Ah, do it. It's more fun to push in the bush. <laughs> oh boy uh, this is Bill Smith and I really can't follow up with that one so uh, come on John bring it home buddy <laughs> go for it John trigger people you can do it Oh, I'm not sure if it's any good. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking but just because the film is fast doesn't mean you'll be done in two minutes oh that's a good that's nice. more like it okay I'll, I'll add it